Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. Do you have a child or even maybe yourself who loves music? or you're looking to help your child find and grab onto a passion, but you just don't know what it is. Music is a great place to go. Music therapy, music lessons have been embedded in research in how it can help your child with your child's flexibility for change, being creative, and being able to generalize these skills in everyday life. Building that passion is so important. If you have a passion, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And today we bring you Nick Farr. He's the director of the Music Academy. The Music Academy has over 300 students, both with and without disabilities. They have an array of different lessons that they provide and services that they provide. You're going to get a whole dose of what music therapy is, what music lessons are, and what those benefits are for you, your child, and your family too. So welcome, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. Nick, can you explain to my listeners here what music therapy is? That's a great question. And the the formal definition is is rather vague. It is uh, targeted music intervention to address the healthcare needs of an individual by a certified professional. Now that's really vague. And the reason behind that is, is that music therapists work across the lifespan from um, before birth to end of life in hospice. So our definition has to be really wide to be able to encompass all of these clinical populations that we would be serving. But uh, some highlights is that we're a profession that's been established in the United States for over 70 years, and we're specialists in understanding how music is processed in the brain and within ourselves to provide greater access and understanding of how uh, these pieces can be met. So the, the way music therapists work really depends on what type of setting, what type of community that they're serving, and uh, it's, it's a really wide and fantastic field. And it's so diverse. Being able to really reach so many hearts and minds of so many different types of people, I think I'm hearing you say. You mentioned something about before birth. Can mm-hmm. you talk to me about that? I know when I was pregnant with my son, I played the same classical music CD, and it was a CD back then, no Apple playlists. And he loves music. He plays four different instruments now. And that turned out to be his passion. Picking fields on the, picking grass on the fields of soccer games was not his thing. No sports, all music. So can you talk to uh, the benefits of hearing music even before a child is born? 
Yeah, and and the one thing in that is is that there was I will I will out there was a little bit of a marketing scheme that happened a few decades ago about that it must be you know classical music and things like that, but but it it can really be any type of music. And uh, yes, there's a small study that says listening to classical music gives you a 10 minute burst of cognitive function, but really not not a not a significant thing that goes through. But what it does do is it helps build early in those stages of development, the, the neuron development, sensory tolerance, and also connection to your parents. The, the experiences that they love and connect with, those stay. So even as they come, yes, their preferences might change as they get older. We all do, right? I think when I was 13, I was listening to hair metal. It's not really my thing so much anymore, nothing against it, um, but our preferences change, but it does bring that connection in. And so music therapists in particular, when they're working in that stage, it's about actually preparing for what's called music-assisted childbirth. So they're helping the parents prepare for that uh, stage and then are also a part of the birth process. Never heard of that music assisted childbirth. That's fantastic. And can you tell us um, what would a music therapy session look like? Oh, well, like I was saying, the, 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 the type of person that we're working with and where they are in their development and age, it, it can go uh, so widely. Uh, there's such, there's really the benefit, uh, the possibilities are endless. But what I will say, there's four main method groups of what an intervention looks like. They are um, recreation, where we're usually working with the client's preferred music to build and recreate it for some type of goal that is there for, for a reason, right? Everything is done for clinical rationale. We also do composition. We're not where we're composing for someone, but with someone to, to empower them to be creative in their self. Something that's tied to that is also improvisation, right? To be spontaneous, to create uh, um, with no uh, set place and improvisation is a wide field as well. And then there's also the last one is receptive music experiences. I think that's what comes to people's mind when they think of what music therapy or music therapist does. But I would say in my own, this is just my own personal sample size and opinion. I think it's the intervention we use the least amount because uh, so much of our clinical research shows that the most engaged we are by being a part of the process, the better the results. So we try, um, regardless of who we're working with, we find a way to have them as actively engaged in the music making process as they can. Sure. And if this is it is therapy, like you're saying, this is a clinical intervention. Why would someone come to you for music therapy? We know music is the modality in which the therapy is, is founded in, but for what types of reasons would they come to you? They can really come for, for a wide variety of reasons, even starting uh, with myself. When you're a student clinician, you're encouraged to go. So I had my own music therapist as a uh, as an adult, uh, to, to explore my own, uh, my own work that needed to be done. But we can, the, the interesting thing about music is that we can tie it to naturally any domain, cognitive abilities, physical abilities, social skills, communication skills, um, building up even uh, so important that I think gets overlooked, building leisure skills for us to do things 
uh, at home that, that we love. Um, memory, so there's just so many pieces in their speech. Um, we, we can kind of steal a little bit from the other types of therapies too. Not that we are the specialists in those same areas, but we can reinforce the work being done in those uh, areas as well. So through this therapy session, uh, the child is playing an instrument, I suppose. They can. We can be playing instruments. We can be singing. We can be um, creating. Uh, we could be improvising a musical story uh, to see where it might lead. It, it's going to, like, like I was saying, it's going to depend on what the goals are we're going to be working towards. But yes, we're going to be playing. We're going to be singing. We're going to be moving. We're going to be um, actively engaged in the process. They're talking, talking about their feelings. They're talking about what's bothering them, the therapy part to try and give them the coping skills and problem solving skills. We can, we can use words, but the, but also one of our strengths are, are to be able to do some of those same, same things without saying it. To, to be able to do though, to have those type of processes happen in the music. And that I think is particularly important with those in the community that we serve that are not as comfortable or as able at their current state to be able to use words to express themselves, whether it's um, uh, expressively or receptively. So, okay, forget the words, let's do it in the music. So can you give us an example of maybe a, a teenager who's having a really tough time and has autism? What might that session look like and what are the benefits of the music, music therapy session? Sure. Well, uh, just like many types of therapy, I think it's also important to say there's different uh, approaches and philosophies ba backed by research to go. Um, our clinic in particular, we really focus um, in, in this site that's very tied. If, if you're familiar with um, DIR floor time, we work very close into uh, a similar model to them where rather we don't follow these strict um, policies and procedures. There are music therapy interventions that are protocolized, particularly medical and rehab uh, focused. But what we really want to work on in these things, if we're saying, you know, we're having a hard time, a hard time can be a, a lot of different things. We start by following, it's called following the client's emotional lead. Where are they today? And rather than saying, hey, you come here, sit down where I say, do what I say we're going to re I'm going to come to you. So if you're sitting with your back to me over on the floor, I might come sit on the floor. Um, we can sit back to back. We don't have to be facing each other because we can communicate and engage with each other through music without looking. We don't need eye contact to show each other that we're listening. We can do it through how we respond through what we're playing. And I know I can check if you're listening to me by offering you yeah. some, a musical idea and see how you respond to it. If you respond to it, you heard me, right? I, then I know that you heard me. Yes. So uh, if we're having a tough time, it could be a, a variety of things. Maybe, they're, uh, maybe we're working on building our ability to keep ourselves regulated, which is a, a very common thing through, throughout the lifespan. So music has a lot of elements in music, right? There's, there's rhythm, there's articulation and dynamics, all of these things. What we love to do uh, with, with a client like you described is we go through in our assessment process and we write out 
a, a sort of sensory related to all of those elements of music. Because if I if I can share an example, um, yes, a a three year old was brought to me uh, uh, some years ago, and he was having a hard time uh, being anywhere in public. Um, the grocery store was ne could never go there, could not be around crowds, could not be around these things, and so much. Um, I think like Mary, uh, parents were thinking, oh, volume. So, you you know, using headphones or things like that to go through. And he came into the music room and same with me, did not want me to sing, did not want me to play an instrument, did not, uh, everything just no, 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 hands in the ears, screaming, crying. Um, but I began to sort of run through this assessment. Let's figure it out. What is it? What is it? That, that, uh, that is the piece that's causing so much distress. And so in my experimenting, I started to figure out that it was not volume at all. It's what we call timbre, which is the quality of a sound. Okay, timbre. So a timbre, so there's a difference between a trumpet sound and a trombone. Yes. They play the same notes, but they, the quality of their sound is different, right? It's like a texture. The texture is what he seemed to have the most sensitivity to. Okay, and particularly with voices, really sensitive to voices. Okay, so I started with, um, which I thought was one of the least uh, invasive whisper tones when I would interact with him. To he's fine. Now he's tapping a tambourine with me and we're playing through, I'm whisper singing with him. And as he's playing, I start to stretch it. I start to bring more of my voice in and explore register high and low. And as I'm going through all of this, I, I can create a little profile of, of him, of his sensory tolerance and coping. And how does he cope? And then in our treatment over the next few weeks, I slowly, by coming to where he is, and uh, I'm... I'm a, I'm a specialist in improvisation, so we're making a lot of uh, improvised moments. We're building, and I'm just, every time I'm working with him, I'm taking little steps to the side in these, just pushing out, pushing out, pushing out. And uh, within a few months, he's banging cymbals in the room wow. and uh, singing at the top of his lungs and banging drums. We, were, we made a racket in there, and it was a blast. But now, uh, after a few years, he goes to grocery stores. He oh, wow. sings in a children's choir at school, right? It was just finding these, these small pieces uh, that, that he needed to, uh, to build his own, uh, not only just tolerance, but how do I keep myself from being okay? Because there were times we went too far. That's, that's, that's huge right there. It sounds like you really slowed down the process for him in terms of what kind of stimulation he was getting, really defining and establishing where his comfort level was. You built that connection with him as his therapist, number one, like back to back, that's what you want. Okay, we've got that. Sure. And, right. And now you've actually taught him coping skills. In I think he taught himself. I okay. think that's the thing. I think he did. I because I didn't know. I I didn't know what is going to make him. What are the coping skills that are going to be best for him? But I tried to help him find them, and I think that's that's really the secret. Um, is that that I don't have the answers, but I'm going to try and 
help you find them for yourself. And so he was able to apply what maybe he was experiencing with you because he was practicing in a safe environment, then went out and was able to regulate himself. And boy, I bet he feels pretty much in control now. That's right. Yeah. And it, it was such an impact in, in his daily life that so much exposure and being able to join groups and be with, with, with others. It's, um, it's, it's, it's interesting that it's such a small thing, but also in treatment, I think it's important to say that like you were, you were saying in the introduction about um, motivation, um, with all of us, we really believe that motivation is everything when it comes to this. If we are not motivated to do it or to socially interact or engage in any way, then uh, we're lost. So that's why we try to be the most flexible as possible to get that motivation, which is the, I'll come to you on the floor. I'll, um, I'll play piano upside down. I'll, you know, <laughs> what, whatever, whatever it is we need, we need to do uh, to keep that motivation. And so our treatment, it wasn't sitting down and I do these very clinical sounds to try and stretch them. It's as we're playing together, we're just making music, you know, in his mind, we're having um, uh, joy and also there are times where we're angry and we're upset. Let's make angry music. Let's let's explore these because there's nothing wrong with those emotions. We just need to know how can we exp express them and what better way to let out some rage than hitting drums. Right. Hit some drums. I think I need a pair of drums every now and then. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nick, it sounds absolutely wonderful. This is This is such wonderful information for people to understand. Talk to us about the difference. What is a music lesson compared to music therapy? What does that look like in comparison? That's a great question. In, in a lesson, uh, I think it's very similar to what you would expect. We have music, uh, we have musical skills we're trying to acquire. And so we're going to do that through um, whether it's following a curriculum or a custom built curriculum, we're going to be working on things to build skills. So if a, a piano lesson, for example, we're, we're going to be learning independence in our fingers, how to find the notes, how to we, of course, we want to be able to walk out the first day and be able to play a song. Who does that? Because that's the motivation, right? We want to play a song. Uh, we will learn scales, but we're going to do them in these small bits because we don't want to make music work. We want to make music something that you enjoy and that you're motivated to be a part of. In therapy, we're using that same motivation, but then to target healthcare or developmental related things. So we can do almost some of the same musical experiences that you might do in a lesson or something different, but we have different targeted uh, goal areas. So if we're someone that has very low uh, muscle tone and have trouble gripping uh, a pencil to write at school or to hold a spoon and be able to eat, we're, we're going to work on that through how we play music together, not for to build the musical skill, but to be able to use that in your daily life. Right. Yes, yeah, sure. You're, you're building certain muscles that can be used for other things as well. Yes. And, and so with that, it also be different training, right? A, a music uh, education, uh, 
a music teacher goes to school for music education. They're trained in that. They work in a classroom under teachers and go. A music therapist has a music therapy indicate. We study music, but we also study psychology and obviously a lot of specifics on how music impacts the brain and the body. And we do clinical placements and over a thousand hours of internship and certifications and licenses. So it's, there's, there's a big difference between us. But what I think we do a little differently at the Music Academy is we do have a diverse staff. We do have music therapists and we also have music educators, but a majority of our music staff are music therapists and they do both. Um, because as it applies to the adaptation to be able to provide lessons, uh, we have a unique skill set that really helps us out in there too. And uh, I know we're here mostly talking about music, but in the last two years, we also brought in art therapists and it's great. so great to have them be a part of us too. Great. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, the Music Academy, if anybody's ever interested you need to really contact them. And Nick will share the contact information with us at the end of this episode. And of course, I'll have that information available for you in the description too. I actually, as um, a service provider, have referred many of my clients to the Music Academy with great Thank success. You. Absolutely. Um, once I met the, the owner, Maria, many years ago, it was an instant kinship. We just do we do our work in different ways for the same purpose, which is all heart. And that's what the Music Academy is. It offers so many different services. So, you know, be having that heart also involves the family structure. Have any parents actually said, hey, you guys are having so much fun, or maybe I should be part of this music lesson. Do you ever have parents come and be part of the music lessons or music therapy? Yes, yes to both. And and funny enough, when it comes to lessons, a lot of parents seem to say it in a very joking way. And then I do you want to? And 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 then some of them say yes. So some some may come in and have a lesson sort of with their child they learn together. And we have others that do it separately. Or or maybe their 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 child comes in for a therapy session and they say, Well, I've always wanted to learn to play guitar. All right, come on in. We'll we'll show you how to play guitar. And, uh, and the same uh, with, with therapy lesson or therapy sessions as well. Will parents or siblings can be involved in some of those? In particular, we have a, we call them a dyad where it's two two come together. We have multiple of those of where it's a uh, two siblings that come to a therapy session together uh, to not only um, work on. Uh, the one particular person who has diagnosis and these these healthcare, but also to have uh, a space for the sibling if if they are not someone uh, who has a diagnosis to get their needs met as well. Yes, and that is very important because I know a lot of parents are often looking for things that that are positive for the siblings of their children who have um, that role of. It's a different kind of role when you're a sibling and your brother or sister has a disability or a condition and they need their own outlets too. So what a wonderful way to, to have a family foundation immersed in something such as music. Nick, does any one individual stay with you? Maybe they taught you something or maybe it, they finally connected with you. Who's that one person that 
that you just go back to every once in a while? Oh, there, there's so many. There's so many. Um, uh, I, you know, one, one that really comes to mind is I think, and I think it also ties into something that you don't have to have any music ability to to um, come and have services or or I think we have some of the greatest successes with those that people wouldn't think to recommend for it that that may uh, if if there are certain uh, people that you know that others have trouble reaching we often can and it's beautiful when that happens I, I'm thinking about a a young girl who uh, has uh, multiple um, diagnoses uh, uses uses a, a wheelchair and has uh, quite a bit of uh, physical and uh, limitations and vocal limitations and so we're figuring out well how are we going to reach her so we in that uh, she with the physical assistance we're doing hand over hand and some of our music making to to get in there and other times just, putting out the opportunity to see uh, what may happen right, if, if we go. And so I remember um, a morning, uh, I was, we were improvising this sort of song on the, on the piano with these um, beautiful melodies. And uh, I, uh, as it was going along, I thought, oh, she's getting a little tired. I think I'm putting her to sleep. Uh, it, was too, <laughs> it was too lullaby. <laughs> and um, I played a, 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 it's sort of almost like a joke, like this very jarring chord. And she laughed <laughs> and, and the mom was sitting in the room and she looked up, she never laughs. And, and I did it again and she laughed again. And then we, the, the ha 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 became like the rhythm of the song. Oh, so we great. could use like, like someone that they said they've had her, that was the third time in her life she'd ever laughed. Wow, what a, an amazing experience to have access to that, to be able to share it. And then uh, for her to share her voice with me, uh, to be able to hear, to hear it, and then to continue working on empowering her to be able to use her voice in whatever way she can. There's just so much substance here. If you're really listening to, to what Nick has to say here, I think you're going to be getting a whole lot of calls because people, <laughs> what was I waiting for? I never thought about this. So here's a couple of takeaways. And if you're a parent and you're looking for something that um, to really immerse your child into or expose him or her to, or maybe your child's dancing and loves music of some sort, the Music Academy is a place to go. If you need something for your child as a sibling or family, the Music Academy has a, is a place to go. Educators, oftentimes, we don't think to refer out when child a child is um, having a difficult time or you know that they're really not very um, exposed to a lot of social situations or they need more exposure and more experiences. I've seen many, many, many concerts that the Music Academy has put on and there's not a dry eye in the place what talent that is uncovered from these children and adults is remarkable so always think too as an educator music therapy music lessons that's a really great suggestion for the parents of your students 
So let's remember that too. So Nick, how can people get in touch with you or in touch with the Music Academy? Sure, sure. Well, uh, our, our website is musicforspeciallearners.com with the number four, music for special learners. Uh, our phone number is 631-615-6707. You can uh, email or call us or text us. Uh, if uh, And if you're unsure of, I'm not between music lessons and music therapy, I'm not sure which one is going to be a good fit. Well, for everyone, whether it's on site at our location in Hop Hog, in home or online, everyone is offered a free first visit to work one-on-one -on -one with our staff. And after working with them, we can talk to you about, okay, if we go this road, this is what happens or this road. And we can really uh, empower you to make a, a decision that you think is going to be best for the people in your life dedication, discovery, and so much more comes through music. Nick, thank you for sharing with us and really educating us about the differences and the benefits of music. We appreciate thank your you. time. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout-out on social media.